Moving into hour number two. Good morning. Good afternoon. What's going on? We are live in Southern California. I am Jim Rome. It's great to be with you really quickly. The telephone number is toll-free nationwide, 1-800-636-8686. I found our guy because he was very patient. We are joined right now by the 2011 Heisman Trophy winner. He was selected with the second pick overall in 2012 by Washington. Of course, he played his college ball at Baylor. He was the 2012 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was a Pro Bowler that year as well. He is an ESPN college football game analyst. He's an NFL analyst from Monday Night Countdown. He appears today courtesy of Heisman Trophy Trust's More Than a Trophy campaign. I'm talking about RG3, Robert Griffin III. Robert, really appreciate you being patient, working through it. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, Jim. How about yourself? I am great, and I do appreciate you playing through that. Thanks so much. Hey, listen, you're versatile enough that we could take this conversation in any direction at all, but before we talk about the Heisman, can I get your thoughts on the NFL, and in particular, Zach Wilson? The Jets just now did announce that he's going to start this weekend. I'm curious, what did you make of that report that he might be apprehensive about playing for fear of getting hurt? Is he right to feel that way, or did the Jets do him dirty by leaking that information? Yeah, Jim, I mean, whoever leaked that information is just trying to do Zach Wilson dirty uh, once again. I feel like when he was benched, the reason they benched him wasn't because they knew they had better quarterback play in the weight. They knew that he was the best quarterback on the team. They just felt like they had to do something because they had been so bad offensively. But if you watch the tape, you could see that Zach Wilson was not the problem or not the main problem with the Jets on offense. It's their offensive line, their ability to protect. They can't run the football, so they're putting more pressure on him. But when you saw Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon go out there, now all of a sudden they're acting like the, the girlfriend who, who left the wrong guy. And now they're trying to come back and say, oh, no, we need you, we need you. So I think it's hilarious that they're going back to Zach Wilson now uh, because we knew that they probably shouldn't have moved on from him anyway with who they had behind him. But, no, I agree with Aaron Rodgers. They're doing Zach Wilson dirty by leaking that information, and it shouldn't even be a conversation unless that person that leaked the information is willing to put their name uh, on the line to say that with their chest as opposed to doing it in a weaselly fashion through sources. RG3 joining us. He's appearing courtesy of Heisman Trophy Trust, more than a trophy campaign. That's, that ceremony is going to be this weekend. We will get into that. Robert, what do you make of the Niners carving the Eagles the way they did in San Francisco? Does that mean right now it's San Francisco and everybody else? Uh, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers, when they're healthy, they're, they're the most team in NFL. Uh, I think that's been proven. Uh, the Eagles are 10-2, and two, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the sky is falling. What they need to do is, after that butt whooping to the Niners, they need to go look in the mirror and get back to doing what they normally do, which is run the football and win at the point of, of – it was 14 to 6. They had 25 drop back passes and seven rushes from a running back. That is not Philadelphia Eagles offense. They need to get back to running the football and then they can utilize the play action with their two number one wide receivers that they had. And, and I think they're also missing uh, and they have missed the production from Dallas Goddard um, over the past few weeks. Um, you know, that offense is still a dynamic one. They just ran into a buzzsaw in the 49ers who have what feels like 25 all pros. You know, they got the Avengers on offense with, with CMC, Debo, Trent Williams at left tackle. You got Ayuk out there. You got Juszczyk, the fullback. So I just think the – and I don't want to not mention Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy's a big part of it as well. He's not just a passenger. He's actually driving the car. And they're, the way that they attack defenses offensively with formations and motion 
uh, in Brock Purdy's decision-making makes them very lethal when they have a top five defense on the other side playing like a top five defense. So I think it was just a case of two great teams playing each other and one team being who they are, knowing who they are, and dictating it to the Eagles how they were going to take it. RG3 joining us. I'm glad you mentioned Purdy. You kind of answered it, but let me ask you a different way. You watch him, and obviously he's in a great system. We know this. He's got great guys around him. We know that. Let me ask you this. Just because he's in a great system doesn't mean that every quarterback can run that system the way he does. So is he a system quarterback, or in your opinion, is he an elite NFL quarterback? No, I think the first we have to attack the notion of what is a system quarterback. Um, is Tom Brady a system quarterback? I would say, yes, he's a system quarterback because the system that he ran for 20-plus years in the NFL was very successful. I would say, is Aaron Rodgers a system quarterback? Yes, because the system that he runs is very successful, and he brought that system with him from Green Bay to New York. Is, Tom, is, is Peyton Manning a system quarterback? Yes, the system that he ran in Indy was extremely successful, and he brought that with him to Denver. So when you hear people say system quarterback, a lot of times we think, oh, they can't survive without that system. And I just mentioned to you three of the greatest to ever play this game who brought their system with them everywhere that they went. There's a reason for that. So we can throw the system quarterback conversation out the window if the greats in the game were system quarterbacks. For Brock Purdy, the the real answer to this is what do great or elite quarterbacks do? They make great decisions. They get the guys involved like a point guard. They don't turn the football over, and they give you a chance to win. That's what the great quarterbacks do, and Brock Purdy's doing all of those things. So is he one of the greatest of all time? No. Is he playing – is he a top-five quarterback right now in the NFL the way that he's playing this year? Yes, he is, and all his numbers support that. People need to just get over that right now. It's okay. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. He fell into a gold mine with the guys that are around him, but I'm not going to punish him for that. We shouldn't punish him for that. He is making the most of his opportunity, and he's getting those guys involved, and he's playing the position at a very high level. RG3 joining us. All right, so let's talk some college football really quickly. For those, you've been pretty vocal about this, but for those who do not know or haven't seen it, did the College Football Selection Committee get it right, or did Florida State get screwed? Where do you come out? Yeah, I mean, the College Football Selection Committee did not get it right. I was not going to shy away from that. Um, they Not only did Florida State get screwed, but you could make the argument that Georgia got screwed as well. Georgia was number one in the rankings for the past three weeks. They lost to the eighth-ranked team, and they got bumped all the way to six. Florida State being at five is a travesty because they're a Power Five undefeated conference champion. So when you're Greg Sankey and you're the commissioner of the SEC and you say one of these things is not like the other – Well, the fact of the matter is that ACC champion didn't lose a game all year. So we, as a media landscape, I don't think it's our job to excuse the behavior of the committee or of anything that happened of the teams that were selected because even though college football is big business and it is about money, what teams get into the college football playoffs should not be about that. It should not be about what conference they're from. You play the games. The games actually matter. Otherwise, you might as well just fast forward to the end of the year, not play the games, and just say, you know what, I think these are the four biggest brands or the four biggest brands that we can justify putting in. Let's just put them in. That's not what college football is supposed to be about. That's completely disingenuous to the fans, the coaches, the players, and everybody that loves the sport. So that's why I think the college football playoff committee got it wrong. But I've been even more upset with the excuses that are being made, because we can agree to disagree and have different opinions, 
But don't sit here and, and pee on me or pee on Florida State or pee on Georgia and tell them it's just raining and that you feel sorry for them that they don't have an umbrella. What's going on right now and what happened is completely wrong. RG3 joining us. I love that. Don't take a dump on them and say that you don't have an umbrella. Hey, let me ask you. you the Heisman Trophy ceremony is held Saturday night. I spoke with Ron Day not long ago, Robert, and he was telling me the thing he remembered most about the night he won the Heisman was him being propped up by all the iconic previous winners who attended that ceremony. Take me back. What do you remember most about your Heisman experience in 2011 and everything that surrounded it? Yeah, I mean, to, to be quite honest with you, it was just the fact that I knew going into the weekend that I was going to be going up against, and Baylor was going to be going up against some of the biggest blue blood programs out there. I mean, you're talking about Alabama had Trent Richardson, LSU had Tyron Matthew, uh, Wisconsin at the time, massive big-time team, had uh, Monty Ball at running back, and then Stanford, one of the most prestigious universities that we have in this country, had Andrew Luck. So I kind of went into the weekend thinking to myself, here I am at Baylor, who at the time in previous years people had called little old Baylor, and you're telling me that the the voters are going to vote this guy from Baylor to beat these guys from these teams? I just didn't believe it would happen. Um, My coaches, uh, I I looked at Coach Browse when it happened, uh, before it happened, uh, and going into that weekend, and he said, nah, Griffey, I think you got it. And to hear your name called in a moment with all those great players next to you, with all the legends that were standing on the stage, thinking back to everything that my family had been through, my, my dad, you know, wearing holy socks and having uh, the soles on his shoes falling off just so me and my sisters could have, could have brand-new shoes that were seven seasons old. Uh, all those things came to mind uh, when they called my name. And to be able to be a part of that fraternity is truly something that, that I cherish and I'm glad that I got to experience that with Baylor Nation, uh, a fan base that felt like they had been marginalized, felt like they had been overlooked. And no one could overlook us anymore after that moment. So that's what I remember most. It was about everybody that helped me get there. That's cool. And you're going to welcome a new member to that community, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to join quarterbacks Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. As I mentioned, you're joining us today on behalf of the Heisman Trophy Trust, more than a trophy campaign. What are the details, Robert, and what should people know about the charitable impact of the Heisman? Yeah, I think when you talk about the new guys that have an opportunity to join the fraternity, the fan kind of thinks that the Heisman Trophy Trust only gives out the trophy, and then it is next year, and we'll give it out to a new guy. But that's not really what's going on, because they do more than just hand out that trophy, right? They have a Heisman charitable giving program that has given over $25 million to over 100 charities. We've got the Humanitarian Award that's going to Solomon Thomas this year from the New York Jets defensive lineman for all the things that he's been able to do into the community. We have the high school Heisman program. And really the main message that I want to get out there through the Heisman Trust and for the guys that are going to be the guy that's going to be joining the fraternity is the simple fact that what they're doing in the community is going to also help you do more things in your community. I have my own foundation, uh, the RG3 Foundation, where we attack food uh, insecurity in rural communities and also in inner cities. And the Heisman Trophy Trust has allowed me and helped me do that in a much bigger way. So it's not just about the trophy. It's not just about the guys that are getting the trophy and the fraternity you get to join, but it's also the charitable community that you get to join and give back 
to help people that helps you get there so that they can never feel like they're forgotten. Outstanding information. Robert Griffin III, he's got his Heisman Trophy from 2011 all over the ESPN platform as well. RG3, listen, again, thank you very much for making that happen. I know that we're supposed to do a Zoom call at the bottom of hour number one, and I know you moved some things around. I really appreciate you. Really appreciate that conversation. Thanks so much for making that happen. No problem at all. Appreciate you having me on, Jim. You got it. Be good. RG3, that was a great conversation. I am so glad he made that happen. Good stuff. All right, cell phone bridge toll free. And again, I've made this point before, but a lot of times when somebody is set up and things don't go well, and they show up on time, and you know something happens, we're not ready, or there's some kind of glitch. A lot of times, somebody like that will say, hey, I did my job. I tried. We'll get you next time. And he didn't at all. He's like, what do you need? Let's do this. Yeah, I can move. That, that doesn't seem like that big of an ask, but it is, especially when they've got so many other commitments. I know I'm not the only one he spoke to today, so that's a busy man. Big ups to him. I mean that sincerely. That that was cool. I'm really glad he made that happen. 1-800-636-8686. Let me get you some reaction. ECS-826. Quote, I tease RG3, but have to say he is a very good analyst, and I agree with his take on Purdy and quarterback greatness related to systems. Also, his take on the Final Four is legit. Well said, RG3. Yeah, I mean, everybody, he, he's a different, funny dude. We've all had things to say over the years about RG3. He is an awesome analyst. Uh, agree or disagree with what he said. He is extremely bright, extremely well-spoken, fearless, and has a take and is not afraid to express it. He is a really, really good analyst. He's a tremendous broadcaster. And I was actually really, really anxious to speak to him because I don't think I've spoken to him since early in his NFL career. I don't think. We definitely used to have him on the program when he played at Baylor. He he is really good at what he does and really bright. And Romy's my homie. RG3 is such an amazing historian of the game. Wish that dip bleep in Washington did not ruin his career. You could take that up with that dip bleeps foster son, James Kelly. I can't help it. Like when I think about the Shanahan's, I think about a lot of things. I mean, they're geniuses. They are revolutionary. They're football revolutionaries. They revolutionize the game. We've seen the tree. I'm not sure how Lobster Sr. is not in the Hall of Fame, but I can't help but think about that guy. And immediately a couple things come to mind. One, the incredibly bright red hue that is his face. Two, other tendencies facially, which I will not get into. And three, the fact that we once had homes in the same Cabo community. And when I was looking at my lot to buy and the sales guy said, so-and-so lives here, so-and-so lives here, so-and-so lives here. Mike Shanahan lives here. I'm like, Mike Shanahan. Because Shanny and I at that time were not great. Probably still aren't great. Anyway, we were not great at that time. And I said to that sales rep, man, you'll let anybody onto this property. He goes, that's funny, Rome. He said the exact same thing about you. Ah, 
So we're going to fight over that piece of cheese. Anyway. Anyway. You know, just associations. Things come back. Uh, I'm going to try and read this. And this is not going to be easy. This is why they pay me the big bucks. Shohei Rome Tani. Come to the Dodgers, Shohei. You'll get to watch Clayton Chokes. See, I can't even do it. Already I'm having problems with it. Try to try to read V in the fees submission. Bob, bob, bob. Come to the Dodgers, Shohei. You'll get to watch Clayton Chokeshaw do a Mama Cass impression every October while Dookie Butts and Froddy Freeman mess the bed worse than Amber Turd. Signed, Dave Fraud Burtz pitching L.A. to Otani. V in the fee, man. That's some heavy lifting, V. Heavy, heavy lifting. With, frankly, very little to no payoff at all. Boy, this hump day is strange, huh? We've had some really, really good moments. And some moments that are the opposite, frankly, of really, really good moments. V, I'm just not fluent in more than one language. And I'm really not fluent in gibberish. Artie the Great writes, RG3. What a class act. So articulate. Well done. Now he is very bright. Great broadcaster. You can agree or disagree, but hey, listen, as somebody who works for ESPN, the fact that he's out here saying Florida State got screwed when so many people are saying the reason they're not there is because of ESPN. That's that can't be a real popular take around there that the only reason Florida State's not there is because of TV, because of ESPN. Here's where I come out on this. Florida State did get jammed. Florida State did get screwed. They did. They did. However, when Jordan Travis went down, who didn't see this coming? How did you not know that that was going to happen? And ESPN, to me, didn't go to the selection committee and then sit these guys down and say, hey, yo, you know how much we pay for college football? Do the right thing. In my opinion, they didn't need to. The committee knew what they were going to do. And I'm not saying the committee decided weeks out because the committee did have Florida State ranked number four a week ago. But are you really going to say to me that 13 people in that committee who know that they want the best product possible, they want the most compelling matchups possible, they want the most buzz possible, they want the most eyeballs possible, they want the highest ratings possible, are you going to tell me that committee is going to look at the six teams for the four spots? And pick Florida State with a backup quarterback over Alabama. Did you really think that was going to happen? Why? Because they were the most deserving? Florida State, I know why you're pissed. I would be too. And you did get jammed. You did. But let's not act like we didn't see this coming a mile away. Business is business. They were going to put together the most compelling matchups they possibly could. And I don't think you had to work that hard. These guys can talk about, and I wasn't in the meetings. I wasn't there. They could talk about how late they stayed up, how they agonized, 
how acrimonious it got. I'm betting all of that's kind of exaggerated. I'm guessing most of them thought, hey, you tell me, what do people want to see more? Do they want to see Bama v. Michigan or do they want to see Florida State versus Michigan with their backup quarterback? Did they really have to go round and round and round debating that? Doubt it. That doesn't mean that Florida State didn't get jammed. Thank you, Alvin. But let's not be surprised. Then the question is, well, yeah, but did they get it right or did they get it wrong? To me, it's neither here nor there. It was just the most predictable thing. Of course that was going to happen. That was always going to happen. The second he went down, that was going to happen. They want the best product they possibly have. And to them, it was always going to be Bama over a Florida State team that was not at full strength. See, to me, and I understand why Florida State's mad again, if Florida State were at full strength and the committee picked a one-loss Bama team over an undefeated Florida State team that was at full strength, then I think you'd have a reason to riot. Even though the Noahs still feel like they have a reason to riot. But that, to me, is a different argument. I'm saying I see both sides, but I'm not surprised at all. How could anybody be? Hey, Jim, to me, RG3 follows the rule in a different way with your take that we don't really know any of these guys. I thought of RG3 as just a superstar athlete when I lived in D.C. when he was resurrecting an entire franchise. What a bright, astute person. He's clearly so much more than an athlete. Robin Green Bay. I would imagine a lot of you listening to that had opinions of him. And even when he first started to get a platform, thought, man, this dude might not be long for it. He's going to do something kooky. He's going to do something so far out there that it's going to ultimately cost him. But that's not it at all. Like, the guy's a star. He's a broadcast star. He's one of the best there is at that, and there are two reasons for it. One, he's very bright, and two, he's entertaining, and a third, he's not afraid. This guy agrees. Rome Slice, you're correct. RG3 is fearless. He was brave to take on me. Regards, the Jaguars' STD-filled swimming pool. I don't know that that swimming pool is filled with STDs. But it is pretty nasty looking. But then again, is any public pool not filled with STDs? Is any stadium pool not filled with STDs? I think the numbers would suggest, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm not going to go there. That's what's known as a self-filter. I caught myself on pro. I don't want STD Nation coming at me. I have nothing against STD Nation or the JN Nation or really any nation. Hey, Rome, I love RG3. After getting hurt physically and via public perception because of his time in D.C. and Cleveland, RG3 humbled himself and became a great teammate, a great activist for good, and a phenomenal analyst. Thank you, RG3 and Rome, for the great interview. Todd W., All right, where do you come out on that? Did you have a preconceived notion before he came on? What did you make of what he had to say? 
What did you make of his takes? What did you make of the way he showed up? I thought that was a great conversation. And by the way, easy for me. I love talking to guys like that. I don't have to do anything. I can just throw up lobs. And not lobs like easy questions, but I can just ask guys questions and get great answers. James Kelly, he is something else. Kelly's like, get off my family. My family did not do him like that. It was Dan Snyder. It was the Dan. All right, James. Per usual, James, thank you very little. When we come back, our clock is just jacked. Sean Lewis is coming up, though. Hey, Tommy, how are we feeling about our Zoom? I can tell by the look on your face. That's the anti-Zoom look on your face. I know that. I can read you, dude. Not good. Clones, I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so good? Well, for one thing, it's so good. For another, you've got a family business which is responsible for it. A family business known for their standard. The standard is the standard. It never changes. And their standard is higher than the rest, if you ask me. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. You want to make sure that you pick the best of the best. That you choose Old Trapper. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender. They use only the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top quality spices, to their real wood-fired smoke. Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite. It comes in four amazing flavors. I actually bounce back and forth among the four. If you're not sure which one to go with, get one of each. You can do so. They come in four-ounce bags. Or if you know what you want, just load it up. Get the 18-ounce bag. That way there's enough for the entire team. If you do not see it, be sure to ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. And you will see it. But if you don't, make sure you ask for it by name. Old Trapper, what's your beef? You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. All right, so we've got a short segment right here, but let me read some reaction. Sean Lewis is the new head football coach at San Diego State. He's going to join me momentarily, or next segment, at CBBXCFB247. On the X, writes, listening to at Jim Rome, highlight the CFP committee's flawed logic that dictates regular season virtually meaningless, and that's why people wanted a better system. Right. I agree. The system was always flawed. The system was better than the previous system, but the existing system was always flawed. Four was better than two, but four is not better than 12. As I said yesterday and Monday, the shock is not that this happened. The shock is that this did not happen sooner. It's very simple math. There are four spots. There are five power conferences. The shock is not that it happened, but how the hell did that not happen sooner? They almost made it to the new system. They almost made it without it coming back to bite them in the ass, but then it did. And now they have to answer to it. And listen, I think that Florida State got jammed. And to RG3's point, why play the games? If you're just going to decide, listen, fine. If you're going to decide this is a business, 
We need to have the four best teams, the four most attractive teams, the four most marketable teams, the four most saleable teams, the four teams that are going to generate the most ratings, eyeballs, buzz. Fine. Just pick them. And don't act like everything else matters when it clearly doesn't or Florida State would be there. So clearly it's not about scoreboard. It's not. It's not about being undefeated in a power conference. If it were, they'd be there. It's not. Great. Fine. Just don't act like it's something that it's not. And also, one more thing about Florida State. They're not without blame. Yes, they did everything they had to do. They did. They did everything asked of them. They did. They did. However, Florida State and the ACC were a part of the alliance that pushed back and pushed this off for one more year. We could have had the expanded playoffs this year, but Florida State and the ACC were a part of the alliance that said, oh, no, oh, no. SEC, Big Ten, oh, no, oh, no. No, 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 no. So they kind of puffed out their chest, and they put their foot down, and they pushed it back one year. Well, it came back to bite them, didn't it? Hey, Jim, that was amazing. That was amazing. I had a totally different opinion, and it was not a positive one, of RG3 based on his act during his football career. He has changed my outlook. Good for him. We're remaking the way the public perceives you. Craig in the Blue Water area. He's getting raves for the way he showed up. He should. He showed up great. Not only did he show up great, he always shows up like that when I watch him and listen to him. And again, he moved things around to do that interview, which I appreciate. All right, so coming up next segment, the new head coach at San Diego State is Sean Lewis. Want to get his thoughts on the past year. He's also a former Badger, yo. He's part of the Badger Nation back in the day. And now he's the head coach at San Diego State. That's coming up next. First up, though, here's a sports update. From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. That's all true. I am Jim Rome. I'm live. I'm in Southern California. Great to be with you on this Wednesday. All right. As promised, we are joined right now by the new head football coach at San Diego State. He is, in fact, the 19th head coach in program history. He served as Colorado's offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach this past season. He previously served as the head coach at Kent State for five years. Prior to that, he led those squads to a pair of bowl games and the program's first bowl win in school history. We are joined right now by Sean Lewis. Sean, it's great to have you on. How are things? Jim, it's great. It's great to be on. and It's a great day in Southern California here. Yeah, right? It's a beautiful day in SoCal. Hey, Sean, let me ask you. You lead, you motivate, and you organize by nature. But I would imagine even for you the last week has got to be something of a whirlwind. How would you describe the last several days? And then how fired up are you for this opportunity? Uh, thrilled, right? The, the last week since getting the call from J.D. to come out here and, and to lead and steward this program into the future has been incredibly exciting um, so much happening, getting staff in place, meeting with the players, 
It's everything that we asked for, everything we signed up for, and uh, thrilled for the opportunity to be here on the Mesa and leading our fine young men. Sean Lewis joining us. I'm going to ask you about that staff in a minute, but let me ask you this. Your name was connected to some other high-profile openings. Ultimately, what led you to San Diego State? You know, the biggest thing, Jim, for me has is, is been about being able to be in a position where I can pour into young men and use this beautiful game to help them grow as sons and husbands and ultimately fathers, right? So having the opportunity to sit in the head chair again, to have a university and a community to believe in myself and more importantly our vision and the work that we're going to do and to do it in you know paradise one of the best places to live with a tremendous talent all around us and to be able to keep our hometown heroes home and to build a monster here with the Aztecs is something we're really fired up about. It is America's finest city. It says it right there on the sign when you roll in there. And I know I spent my formative years there. It's an amazing place. Sean Lewis is joining us. Sean, you mentioned your vision. What about your vision? What is your vision? What do you want your Aztecs to look like when they hit the field? In fact, what do you want them to look like on and off the field? Yeah, you know, we want them to be alphas, as we commonly refer to them, you know, to where they know exactly who they want to be in the community as leaders in the community serving and doing good for others first and foremost that they're passionate about pursuing their degrees and getting a career well beyond when their playing days are done and when it comes to to ball when we step in between the white lines you know we're going to have a a unit and a group of men that are are smart that they're they're disciplined they're physical and explosive and that's a fun brand to come to snapdragon stadium to see and that they compete at the highest level every single moment that they get. So, Sean, what about that staff that you mentioned? What are you looking for in building out a staff? Yeah, the, the biggest thing, first and foremost, is that they're, they're people of high character, right? I, I want everyone that interacts with our young people to be pouring into them. It's not necessarily about what they do or what we do, but how we can give and how we can serve to our kids, right? So men and women of high character um, that, that are extremely competent in their areas of expertise and that are consistently producing at a championship level day in and day out. Those are the traits that I covet. Those are the traits that we're going to um, look for as we round out the remainder of the staff. I'm very excited about some of the guys that we already have here that are already, you know, in, in L.A. today. We're in San Diego yesterday and uh, interacting with the, the fine coaches of this area so that we can keep the local talent home. Sean Lewis is new head coach at San Diego State. Sean, one of the guys who apparently is going to be a part of the process, according to reports, Colorado legend Darian Hagan, who you worked with this past year in Boulder. Is that hire official? And if so, why is that such a critical hire for you? Yeah, it's official, and he's here, and he's actually out and about right now as we speak. And again, you know, the, the, his background in L.A., being from L.A., having West Coast ties, but again, the, the person that he is and having the ability to interact with him each and every single day while I was at Colorado. And again, just hearing all the stories from past players and the impact that he had while he was at Colorado, it was a, it was a major victory early on here for us to be able to get him to come west with us and, and to get him back here uh, to, to lead our running back room. Hey, Sean, as you move forward in your career, if you need any help conjuring up memories of that season in Boulder, I'm sure there's any number of documentaries in production about Coach Prime's first year. I mean, what are you going to take away from your experience of working with Deion Sanders and that year in Boulder? Yeah, I mean, the, the energy and enthusiasm that we brought to the Boulder community that Coach brought to, brought to Colorado, and, and again, just the way that people from all over, in, in short order, you know, really – 
aligned together to be able to do great work and to lay a, a foundation that I know Coach is going to build off of and, and do great things as he continues to move forward there at Colorado. Let me ask you this. The program, I mean, it was something to see, right? It was the biggest thing in the sport. It was the biggest thing in all of sports for a period of several weeks. But then things kind of went south, and then the team lost Davis the last nine. What was it like for you to be in the eye of that storm? You know, I mean, whether it was the, the highs or the lows that the external you know, world was seeing for us and for me, most importantly, it was always about giving to the kids. And, and regardless of you know, it was week one, and we did what no one thought that we could do. You know, we, we believed from the very beginning that that was going to happen. Um, but it was about doing the next thing the right way and, and making sure that we were, again, pouring into the kids, giving them the resources that they need, and that we were caring for them in all aspects of their life. So really the highs and the lows that, again, the public felt, you know, for us, it was, again, just head down, doing the work, you know, when it's hard, and, and, and again, trying to do that work at an incredibly high level so that we could be giving to the kids in all areas that we needed to. And that's always been my focus. That always will be my focus, regardless of what the scoreboard says at the end of the day. Hmm. Sean, one more thought about this, because I know you're focused on what's in front of you and not what's behind you, but in hindsight is 2020, but you gave up a lot to go there. You were a head coach and you were doing really well. Knowing what you know now, do you regret the decision to go to Boulder? No, not at all. If I did not make that, that leap of faith and, make that move, we wouldn't be talking today, Jim. Right? I, I've been a Midwest guy primarily for the majority of my career, a little bit of time up in the Northeast, and Coach gave me a tremendous opportunity, and I'm grateful for it to, to come West and, and to establish some ties out this way. And because of the great work that we were able to do, you know, it opened this door and this opportunity. So, no, no, no regrets. Grateful and thankful for the experiences shared and the lessons learned and, and needed to apply them and, and to, to build something special here. San Diego State head coach Sean Lewis is joining us. Sean, I'm glad you mentioned your Midwest background because you're all about the Aztecs right now, but let's not forget, you played your college ball in Wisconsin. I consider you a part of what I call the Badger Mafia, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> what was it like to be recruited by Barry Alvarez and his staff and playing for him in Madison? Yeah, it was a special experience. Uh, I got to play for Coach Alvarez for his last two years and, uh, you know, was a halfway decent high school player and was able to meet a lot of great people through the recruitment process. But the, the minute Coach Alvarez came into my home and he sat down in our family room and, and my mom got a chance to interact with him and, and cook him a meal, he left and that was a wrap. And, and I was going to be a Badger and, and being a part of that Badger brotherhood is something really special. And, um, you know, it, it was a unique experience that has really set me up. And because of that network and, and that community, right, has, has opened the doors for this beautiful profession that, that I get to pursue and I get to do. And just trying to give back to, again, these kids the same way that Coach Alvarez and his staff gave to me when I was a player. Sean, you just nailed it. You just said it. It's that network. That's what I mean by the Badger Mafia. The second I mentioned that our son was looking for a college and that Wisconsin might be a possibility, all of a sudden the phone call started coming. There is a network. There's a Badger Mafia, and I mean that in the best way. Listen, before you go, the Aztecs won 12 games in 2021, only four games last year, four wins. So are you approaching this as a rebuild or maybe just a reset? This is a reset, right? There's an unbelievable foundation here going all the way back to the Air Coriel days where they were slinging it all over the place and having great success for the past 15, 20 years, as you alluded to, right? Not too long ago, 12-2 and two season, you know, to where there's an unbelievable cultural expectation. There's a cultural foundation that has been laid by the work that 
tremendous people have done before we have arrived here. And I'm very grateful to, to be stewarding the program right now. And we're going to put our own touches on it. We're going to refine it and reset it a little bit. But th- this is an opportunity where we can really elevate and, and, and stay at consistent heights that everyone in the area knows and expects San Diego State to be at. So one last thing, Sean, we covered a lot of ground. I appreciate you. San Diego State traditionally schedules up at a conference. This year, the new wrinkle is Oregon State and Washington State are going to form a scheduling alliance with the Mountain West Conference. You know both because you're in the Pac-12. What's your reaction to that deal? And then how much additional value does that alliance add to your conference? I think it's a great opportunity for our program and for our young men to where you get to compete against the best of the best. It was something, again, having some firsthand experience with it. When I was at Kent State, shoot my last year there, our, our non-conference out of schedule, we went to uh, Washington, Jim, we went to Oklahoma, we went to Georgia in the first month of the season. And that was something that our kids got really excited about, that we were able to go compete, we were able to use in the recruitment process, and, and we're going to be able to have those, those same shared experiences here to where I, you, you want to leave a legacy and you want to elevate the program, then let's welcome and take on any and all challenges do the work every single day at a championship level, and then we will create some unbelievable moments together that we'll all be able to brag about, hopefully, at the end of the year. Hey, Sean, your energy is elite right now. How many hours of sleep have you gotten since you were named head coach? (laughs) Uh, Not a ton, but thank goodness for the the good Lord that he made some caffeine. And also, you know, that, again, being able to to serve and the, the, the humility to know that, Everyone within our organization is dependent upon me, you know, and I've been very fortunate to be around some great people. I think we've got a common friend in, in Buzz Williams and, and leaned on him a little bit, and he taught me a few years back that make sure you're feeding yourself so that you can feed other people. But as the, the head of the organization, you're the, the chief, chief energy officer, so, so you better bring it and you better have it. And, and I'm fired up to, to be here and to lead and to serve these kids. Good stuff. You're right. We do have a common friend in Buzz Williams. That sounds like Buzz. Sean, congrats on getting that gig. Can't wait to see how that team looks. And really good to have you on the show, Sean. Thank you so much. Great conversation. Jim, thank you. Go Aztecs. Go Aztecs. It's a big Aztec house. When you look at what Brian Dutcher has done with that basketball program, they did go to the championship game, lest we forget that. And we're talking about an Aztec program that did win 12 games two years ago. And how do you not love that energy? Aztec fan, reaction. My thanks to Sean Lewis. All right, we have open phones in hour number three. Also an ATP, I want to talk about the Jets. So they made it official. The Coug Hunter is going to start. But did he want to start? What happened there? How about Aaron Rodgers getting in the middle and calling it all chicken bleep? Lots to get to. Stay tuned.